Hi, I'm Brendan Brannock and welcome back to the Supernatural Housewives of Belly Strange. This is a mad town. Cecil was leaning up against a large rock on the beach, looking out to the wild sea, when Thurlock appeared behind him. You heard? Thurlock asked. May she rest in peace, said Cecil. She was a good wife to William. While talking, Cecil whipped some flat stones on the seawater and watched them skipping over the waters in wild waves many times before they disappeared into the ocean. Careful you do not hit a seal. Or my mother-in-law for that matter, said Cecil. Cecil pointed to a rock. She lay stretched out naked on that rock first time I saw her. Most beautiful thing I ever laid eyes upon. He then pointed to another rock. Her cloak lay hidden behind that rock. Knew it was a marrow, and that she would be my bride forever. If I could only capture her cloak. Cecil grabbed Turlock and looked at him pleadingly. It was written, Turlock. Tell me it was written. It was written for you, Cecil. Just like it was written for me. Then why does she want to leave me? Tell me. Why does she want to leave me? Why does she want to leave the man who loves her desperately? She couldn't be happy with any man, Cecil. That is the nature of the beast you married. But she's absolutely miserable in this marriage. Turlock laid his hand firmly on the shoulder of Cecil. Listen to me, Cecil. And listen to me good. She must never find that cloak. I don't care how trapped she feels in her marriage. The consequences will be far worse if she ever lays eyes on that cloak again. The three angry skinheads strutted down Main Street, kicking lampposts, dustbins, and any other object that got in their way. This town's gonna pay for what they did to my pal Stuart, snarled Simon the skinhead. What we going to do to the cop who botched the investigation to him? asked Robbie. Yeah, what are we going to do to him, said Johnny. Simon shows the studs of his hobnail boots. We're going to kick his bloody head in. Simon then pulled out a knife. And we're going to gut him like a herring. Across the street, Sergeant Crowley felt his hand shake. He desperately tried to hide behind a lamppost. The sweat dripped off him. Jap, jap, jap on the ground below. Dr. Winterman walked out of his office just in time to see the skinheads kick his vintage Volkswagen, parked innocently at the side of the street. Lovely. My wife just loves skinheads. Deirdre and Peter shared an intimate dinner. He gazed into her eyes, but mostly her chest. Demon slayers, he said, are hotter than vampires any day. There's vampires? asked Deirdre, her interest in the young man growing. Maybe there is, he said. Later that night they went back to a room in the Valley Strange Inn to mix business and pleasure. It was a rather simple business transaction. As she shed more clothes, he gave her the lay of the land. More, she cried. I want more. 
Anything for you, he moaned. More demons, she cried. Take me to see some more demons. Sergeant Crowley sat at his desk with a half-empty whiskey bottle. The green bottle reflected on his face, only adding to his sickly disposition. He was a desperate case. His body was shaking in violent spasms of fear. Jennifer eventually came in and promptly took the bottle. I think you've had more than enough, she said. This town, he sobbed. This town is a mad place. This town is hell. We just got here, James, she said. He stood up and grabbed her questioningly. Everyone said it would be a quiet place. A place where a man could find no trouble. Trouble only comes to those who seek it, James. Sergeant Crowley fell to his knees. A sad, pathetic sight. Trouble has come looking for me, he cried. It's come looking for me. She looked at the near empty bottle. That's the drink talking, James, she said. Outside could be heard noises. Drunken noises. Do you not hear them, he said. They are outside. Trouble is camped right outside. He was indeed right about that. For in the woods outside Crowley's isolated country house, the skinhead sat drinking cider around a campfire. Simon the skinhead sounded like a wolf, howling at the moon as he gulped down a can of cider in one boisterous mouthful. We're going to get you, Sergeant. We're coming to get you. In the very wee hours, Peter was walking up his driveway when he heard an awful wailing sound. It being a sound not of this world, he jumped out of his skin and ran quickly towards his door. Once he was safe inside his home, he relaxed again. The trace of a smile was indeed still visible on his face as he thought of his illicit night of lovemaking with the demon slayer. It had brought him to the conclusion that natural women were every bit as good as supernatural women. What a foolish man he'd been in his desperate quest to meet gaulish creatures of the night. Peter found his bed empty. He looked curiously at the place where Maeve should be. But he did not dwell on it too much. He was tired, jumped into bed and quickly fell asleep. He was already having pleasant dreams when he was brutally awoken by another wailing cry from outside. The cry was an eerie keen, like a crowd of old women with black shawls over their heads crying at an old man's funeral. He jumped out of his bed, cursing under his breath, and ran over to the window. It was misty outside, but through the blue hue of the moonlight he saw a blonde-haired woman running amongst the bushes. Maeve, he said. Two minutes later Peter, though tired, exhausted and sleepy, ran through the woods in search of his mad wife. Everything was still until the wailing cry filled the night again, like a terrible lament for something lost forever. Something moved through the fog. The hair rose on the back of his neck, and his face became deathly white, as if he too was a ghostly apparition of the night. Over yonder, he saw the white figure gliding through the bushes. Ashen-faced, he turned back. The following morning, Peter marched down Main Street, after eventually succumbing to a good night's sleep, he was feeling fair lively again. That was until he ran into a group of men, William Swift, Dr. Winterman, and Cecil. 
And this is the quizzling that rattled on us, snarled Dr. Winterman. For hundreds of years, no man from Bally Strange has ever divulged its secrets. You shameful gobshite. Satisfied? asked Cecil. Now that William's wife had her head chopped off? William rubbed a handkerchief to his watery eyes. He not only lost his beloved wife, added Cecil, but you killed his business stone dead. Dr. Winterman coughed and gave Cecil a dirty look for the unfortunate pun. He then squared up to Peter. We ought to give you the hiding of your life, said the good doctor. But Peter started to get brash and pushed them back. Oh yeah? Since when do you start caring about humanity, doctor? Thurlock arrived out of nowhere to break it up. He ushered Peter away. You, sir, have caused enough trouble around here. He's a rat, shouted Cecil. I was angry. I was jealous because my wife was normal. That's why I told the demon slayer. That's why I told her about all the supernatural housewives in this town. You idiot. You stupid bloody idiot, said Dr. Winterman. But I was wrong. You see, I heard Maeve wail outside my window last night. She's something, isn't she? So you finally heard her wail, asked Herlock philosophically. Yes, so what kind of supernatural creature is she? asked Peter. Herlock drew in a deep breath before answering. Then he said, in a solemn voice, Maeve is a banshee. There was silence for a few moments before Dr. Winterman clarified. A messenger of death, to be precise, he said. Yes, she cries at night when someone is about to die, added Cecil. William Swift broke down again on hearing this. My poor departed wife heard Maeve's awful wail the other night. A banshee, Peter smiled. She always said, death was not a laughing matter. Well, it's not, said Dr. Winterman. But I never knew, said Peter. I never heard her wails until now. Why? Cecil quickly jumped in. None of us have heard her bar William's wife, thank God. All this time, Dr. Winterman's sultry wife, Jane, had been creeping up behind Peter. He was completely unawares. She wailed again last night. Is someone going to die? Peter asked. Yes, unfortunately, someone is, answered Dr. Winterman. As he said these words, Jane bit heavily into Peter's neck. Blood spewed all over Main Street streaming down along the footpath and into the gutter and the sky grew dark and the rain began to pelt from the heavens and a great sound echoed all around the countryside but it wasn't thunder it was the banshee's wail that rocked the town of Bally Strange like a lament for something lost forever <laughs>